When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So I want to take a break today from all the craziness in the markets and, and this trade deal business and the, you know, the weakening global economic picture and G7 and on and on. You know, it, it seems like this news cycle never really ends and I don't want to stop covering it, but I do want to take a break from that and really zero in on three relatively recent stories from the precious metals space. And specifically, these are going to be in regards to investment demand for silver and gold, foreign investment demand for silver and gold. Now, I I want to start by saying I've long maintained that over the long term, especially as we head into another recession, potential financial crisis and a major decline in many of many of the the major world currencies. I'm talking the dollar, the, the yen, the euro, the pound, et cetera that the Western investor of silver and gold, I'm talking the US, Australia, Canada, Europe, that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, whether it's stackers like you and I, or those that are a fair bit wealthier, have a fair bit more wealth that they want to protect, and they're not necessarily buying it in physical format, but but having it housed somewhere in a vault or something along those lines. That That as of right now, the investment demand from those individuals, people like you and I, is, is relatively low compared to the last 15 years, but that it's going to increase exponentially as we move into a next recession because there's going to be a rush, not only because of momentum buying, but also because of people looking to protect themselves from uh, not only a drop potentially in the stock market or real estate or the bond market, but also the underlying currency because how often is the case that when the stock market or the bond market is going down that people choose to to allocate their money into cash? But what happens when the currency itself is depreciating a fair bit as well? Well, they need to find some other alternative asset. And that's where silver and gold come into play. And so I've I've long maintained that to be true, that that's kind of my, my long-term prediction, that uh, the United States and Europe, are our investment band for silver and gold is going to play a huge uh, part in this next move up. But what I'm going to be talking about today is the current big players in the investment market for silver and gold, excluding the Western world. And that is India, China, and Russia. A story about each, each country. So I want to start off with Russia. News recently uh, out of Russia that Vladimir Putin signed into law, uh, a, a law that basically gets rid of a 20% value-added tax on gold for banking and investment purposes. 20%. So so prior to this, uh, there was a you know 20% added tax if you wanted to invest in gold in some format. Now, unfortunately, it, it looks like this doesn't necessarily extend to buying silver and gold for, for one's own possession, right? Like, like if you and I go out and buy gold coins or or bars or silver coins or whatever 
it sounds like that 20% value-added tax is still going to be in place for that. But for investors that are looking to um, get into to some sort of a more paper uh, type of, of uh, silver or gold investment uh, account, uh, they even had a gold uh, gold banking account listed here as, as a possible option. Uh, this offers a more opportunity, and, and obviously without a 20% value-added tax, that's <laughs> with that in place, it, it, wouldn't made a, it wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense unless you're waiting for major depreciation or sorry, appreciation in the value of, of silver and gold. Now, in the whole scheme of things, Russia and their financial system is fairly small compared to Europe, the United States, China, et cetera. So the amount of demand, you know, I think they estimated something like 50 tons of demand over the next year, I think it was, for for silver and gold, which in the whole scheme of things is not a whole lot. But I do think it's a positive. And I, we always have to wonder, you know, what is the, the reasoning behind this? Because as we'll talk about here with China for a second, oftentimes it's a case for countries, especially that are, are a little bit more on the authoritarian side, such as the United States or China or, or even Russia, to use different methods such as value-added tax to stop private investors from moving outside of, of their own country's assets, whether that's the ruble in this case, or Russian stocks or Russian bonds. And, and gold and silver offer an opportunity for them to do just that. Because silver and gold is not Russian silver and gold, or it's just silver and gold, just a commodity. But I do wonder, you know, what is some of the reasoning behind this? Is it because of, you know, a desire for Russian financial institutions to have more exposure to uh, commodities such as silver and gold or or precious metals in this case uh, to diversify away from the dollar from the euro or from some other you know very common and, and popular uh, currencies right or or euro denominated bonds dollar denominated bonds right uh, it could be also just for a reason because uh, for the reason that you know perhaps the Kremlin realizes that, you know, an increase in demand and therefore an increase in the value of silver and gold is overall destabilizing to, to the global financial picture and to the U.S. dollar. That an increased price for silver and gold is, is by no means a positive for the Federal Reserve or the U.S. government. Now, I mean, again, the the Russian financial system is, is fairly small. It's only going to be a fraction of, of the type of demand that comes out of let's say China, but it is nonetheless an important development. And I want to share this news bit with you. Now, moving on to the next, you know, big Eastern country that is uh, really a center of, of gold demand. And that is China. We had news recently that China is to some extent lifting uh, their, their limits on gold imports into the country. See, dating back to May, China had pretty significantly limited the amount of gold that they would allow imported to the country. I know what some of you guys are saying, like, wait a second, isn't the narrative that China loves gold and they, they can't get enough of it? Why would the communist government then limit the amount that they're going to import? Well, you're not necessarily wrong. 
China has made a very strong move towards gold at both the government and and more so to some extent at the private level. Although you know, in a communist country, what really is private? But um, they they do they they have made a big move towards gold. However, one of the big challenges for China over the last let's say ten years has been capital outflows. People choosing to take their money, just like what I was talking about with, with Russia and the ruble, people choosing to take their money and move outside of the Chinese system, whether it's Chinese stocks, bonds, real estate, corporate debt, uh, or just the Chinese yuan, and instead put it somewhere else. Now, sometimes this is flowing out of the country, whether it's U.S. stocks or or you, sometimes you get things like real estate bubbles that are blown up exclusively by Chinese investors moving off the off of main uh, China's mainland, whether this is like Vancouver or or something along those lines, because of the amount of money that is looking to get outside of the country, and so instead they just you know buy real estate in Canada or something like that. Gold and to some extent silver offers an opportunity for those investors, for those wealthy individuals to move their money out of the yuan system, out of the Chinese system, without necessarily jumping out through all the hoops. Because China also restricts the amount of capital that can flow out of the country. Uh, this, This allows them to kind of get out of the system, Chinese system, less exposure to the Chinese system, which is obviously in a very precarious position, without having to jump through those hoops of, of actually getting outside of the country. Gold offers them that opportunity. And so that's why China recently, beginning in May, was restricting the amount of gold that could be imported. They did, they did the same thing back in 2016 when they were dealing with some currency issues back then. Now, it, what it looks like is that they are, to some extent, still limiting the amount of imports, but they've lifted it pretty significantly and that a much larger amount of gold will be be allowed back in the country soon. And, you know, to put this in perspective, you know, I was talking about Russia earlier, that that new law removing the value-added tax would add, I think they said like $50 trillion worth of, or sorry, 50 tons worth of demand for gold and silver. We're talking hundreds of tons of gold for China that they are importing um, on, on, I think it's a monthly basis, very large amount that China continues to import. And this is in addition to their domestic production. So and the whole scale of things, Russia is a big player in the precious metals markets, but it's mostly at the government level. China has a, a very large amount of demand for gold kind of across the board. Like, yeah, the PBOC is as of late, stating that they're increasing their amount of gold holdings. I think we've known for a while that it's very likely that Chinese government is still buying a lot of gold behind the scenes and they're not necessarily stating it publicly. But overall, you're seeing a very large amount of gold over the last 10 plus years being imported to China, not only for the the People's Bank of China, but also sovereign wealth funds and wealthy investors, etc. So China is a huge player in the global gold market and, and they do continue to really monopolize the amount of uh, gold being shipped around the world. And not I'm not saying monopolize in a bad way, but they are a major source of demand for gold. And, and I think it's going to be a positive for them over the long term. I think they have a lot of economic negatives, but one of the ones that they do have going for them is they have a lot of gold. And, and you know what they say, you know, he who makes, or he, sorry, he who holds the gold makes the rules. Finally, I want to move south 
and and west of China to India. India is another huge buyer of gold, but also a massive buyer of silver. But we are again going to be talking about gold here. And this one's a little bit different. This isn't necessarily talking about the demand for silver and gold, which by the way, recent numbers out of India are are massive in terms of silver imports. I want to say it was something like their fourth largest month on history recently, India recorded in terms of silver imports. So they are and continue to be buying a very large amount of silver. But no, what I want to talk about is an ongoing credit crunch that is occurring in India. So the way this goes is, is when credit becomes difficult to get, more and more you know, average individuals like you and I, or, or in India, you know, a homeowner or a farmer or a businessman or something like that, they have difficulty getting loans because credit is just hard to come by. That's what happens in a credit crunch. Banks tighten up their lending standards. And so what we've seen lately in India is a huge surge in loans that are collateralized by gold. Now, this would not be very commonplace in most Western countries because gold ownership is not nearly as common. But in India, gold and silver ownership is very common. And so what you're seeing is, let's say you have a farmer that that really needs money, whether it's been a, a poor harvest or they need a loan to, to plant this year's crops, whatever the case may be they can't get access to that through normal means. I'm talking going to the bank, asking for a loan and saying, yeah, we'll repay it at at a specific interest rate. Instead, what they're forced to do is use their gold in whatever format, and I'm sure some of this takes place with silver as well, to collateralize that loan. Meaning, look, if, if I default on this, well, you get this chunk of metal, which obviously has a lot of value. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking, like, it's really a shame that they have to collateralize it using their precious metals. But this is really kind of part of the reason why silver and gold, I mean, this is why we own silver and gold. Now, I hope none of us ever have to collateralize a loan to keep our business afloat with our precious metals. But when push comes to shove, why not? I mean, if it, if that's what it's there for, an ultimate hedge, why would you just hang on to it? You know, I think of, of a country like Venezuela, which is just barely hanging on. And I, I don't have a whole lot of positive things to say about their economy or their leadership with, with Nicolas Maduro. But one of the things that they've had going for them is that they did have a fair amount of gold. And amidst this crisis, they they use that gold. Whether it was whether it was to you know get access to um, trade or to, to pay off debt or whatever to keep their their country somewhat afloat, is it? I mean, best case scenario? No, it's not. It's it's pretty bad. You know, it's pretty close to worst case scenario when you have to use your gold to to just stay alive. But it's why you own it in the first place. You know, to relate this to the private investor, I mean, you own silver and gold in the hopes of never having to use it. But realizing that if you ever do, it's it's going to be under very dire circumstances. So just a couple of stories from around the world. I, I hope you enjoyed this format. Um, as always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.